Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined once again by Dimity McDowell. Hello, hello, back again. Yes, back again, just two days after recording the last one, because our guest, who we'll announce later, uh, could not join us next week. So we hopped on an opportunity to talk today. Nothing nothing I like more than just podcasting all week long. I just, you know, I wish I could do it 24 hours a day, man. My life, IRL, right? In real time. Oh, IRT, in real time. Or in real life, too. I guess that works, too. Nice, nice. And I have to say that the podcast studio, we'll I'll have to vacate it because we actually have a guest coming this evening. Oh, geez. So we He's have coming. so the guest bedroom will be used as such. Um, uh, my friend Will, that um, older, oh, yeah, I say, and, yeah, yeah, he yeah, ran the, his marathon last year. He right? ran his marathon exactly. Yeah, in yeah. June on on his um on day before his sixtieth birthday on Father's Day. Yeah, or day after, or day of, I think it was. Yeah. Is he still so running? Anyway, so the Will's question... coming back down. It's kind of turning into our Halloween tradition. Is the question is, is he still running? Is he one of those people who runs oh, a marathon no. is like, I'm then I'm done. Oh, I no, no, one. no. Oh, no. Oh. He and his fiance. Did you see that? I posted on our Facebook page that he and lovely, lovely Kathy, who I just adore her. Um, sh- they got engaged while they're on a run. Oh, I did not see that. No, that's awesome. That's yeah. great. Yes. Yay. Well, so, definitely still running strong then. Yes. So they have, um, oh, like on, um, you know, they do half marathons together. Like actually side by side, run half marathons and, you know, go to their, their um, kids are older. So sure. grown up and out of the house. So they travel to places to, to um, run half marathons together. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so Will's going to run tomorrow morning with Molly and me, as long as he doesn't get too, too obliterated uh, watching the World Series tonight with Jack and Jack's best friend, Scott. Uh-huh. Uh, so because Kathy was going to come down, but um, she ended up realizing that she needs to stay for this test that she has for work. So it's just going to be Will. And suddenly I'm like, oh, that means there's going to be a lot more alcohol involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, in this World Series kind of calls for it, doesn't it? With the two teams that haven't been in it for a long time. So, you know, right, if you're going to yeah. celebrate, celebrate big, man. <laughs> yeah, well, they don't need any excuses. But yeah, they'll take it when they can get it. <laughs> yeah, it's about the Cubs. It's about those Cubs, right? Right, 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 right. So anyway, so we'll, um, had a fun, uh, frantic afternoon yesterday that, um, so John has been doing this, um, cross country program that is, uh, the feeder team to his high school. And so like he wears, you know, the, the kids, the middle school kids all then wear singlets that say what their high school is. So it's kind of cute. And oh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 So he's uh, on the grant, uh, feeder team. And so anyway, so he has been, he's also um he has soccer twice a week and he is also in his school's production of Macbeth. Wow. Uh, so he is a soldier just like Daphne and they have a sword fight <laughs> in the play. <laughs> better better and, watch uh, make sure they don't so, sharpen so those. <laughs> So they just practice that. And um, so it's so funny to me that the teacher has the two of them sword fighting. And John told me last night, he goes, yeah, and the outcome is much as it is in real life. And I'm like, um, what do you mean by that? He goes, Daphne wins. <laughs> Good. We, we, we like a man who knows his place in the world. <laughs> right, right. So, so, um, so anyway, so my reason for telling all his other extracurriculars is that he hasn't gone to as many practices or meets as um, I he really should have but so he went to this one it was the like championship one for the 
for the city. And so Jack and I were totally planning on going together. And I thought the race was at five o'clock. Oh, <laughs> and, and it, it was at four o'clock. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh. Did you get did you get the email? <laughs> I, yeah, it came to my it came to yeah. me instead of you. Yeah. Oh, and, okay, so and I discovered this at three thirty-eight. Oh jeez! Oh jeez! Oh jeez! <laughs> and it is at a lovely park in deep southeast Portland. That is at least a twenty-minute drive from my house, and you know, at rush hour or during rush time. Sure. And so, anyway, so I sat there for a second, and I looked up on my Maps app on my phone, and it said I would get there by four oh one, and I'm like. I gotta go. And so, Wait, was he already there though? So he had, they had, uh, they had gotten all picked up um, on a bus, which is oh. very, you don't do buses very much in Portland uh, oh. in terms of school buses. So they had sent a bus around to all the different schools for these feeder schools that go to Grant and pick yeah. the kids up. And so, oh. yes, yeah, so he had gone directly from school. So, oh, so that's not, I mean, it's a big deal, but I thought you had to drive him there. So that's not, oh, that no, no. Of, if you were a couple minutes late, that's okay. Yeah, so um, so get down there, and thankfully traffic was so light, and that's Good. just unheard of. And so, and I was going against traffic, but so anyway, so dash down there, you know, call Jack, and he's like, "Oh, I'm in Beaverton. Do you think I should go?" I'm like, "No, you're not going to make it from Beaverton to Deep Southeast." So, um, so I I'm like, I'll just you know I'll take pictures. So get down there, hustle, and had been planning all day to change into some trail shoes because we've been having just a ton of rain. And so I thought, oh, you know, like, don't want to go walk over in my dance go clogs. Well, that's what I ended up doing because <laughs> I had to get there on time. Gotta go. <laughs> so, At so least walk- you had footwear, man. That's that's important. You do have bare feet. <laughs> or in my slippers, my little house slippers that I yeah. usually wear. So, so, yeah, so kind of walk gingerly because, I mean, it was just... It was so muddy. And um, so, but I got to see John three times during the race and then at the finish. So for a total of four times. Yeah. And it was, um, but it's a really, really pretty park, very big. And so I thought, well, I'm sure one time around is 3K. And so as I see him, I see him during the early part and then I see him go past what I think is right toward the finish. And I'm like, come on, John, come on now, make a move, make a move. Oh, yeah. Turns out they had to make another lap. Oh, no. <laughs> and um, turns out he also, even without my yelling, thought that it was just one lap. But Wait, then the so- second lap was shorter. They they somehow mo- oh, modified it. Oh, I was going to say. Yeah, go oh, okay, so you had two laps. So it was just like it was like a 5K, basically, maybe. Or maybe it was, a It was a, three, a 3K, yeah. Oh, 3K so- total. Oh, okay. So it was 1K around, maybe. Or uh, one and some- a half. One and a half. Yeah, somehow he said they did like a figure eight on the first, and then they just kind of cut off part of the loopy part oh, for the okay. second one. So, so anyway, so, um, oh, and he, you know, totally smiled and waved every time he saw me. So I got some cute pictures. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) How it all worked out. Awesome. And then, and then, uh, but it was so funny because he was making this great sprint to the finish. Turns out he was sprinting against the girl who ended up being the first place girl in the race. Oh, geez. (laughs) He's the first place girl. Oh, he did. He did. He nosed her out by just a little bit. And then, oh my gosh, they, um, you know how typically at a lot of kids events, they give participation ribbons for everybody. Yeah. So I think he's a little used to getting that maybe because I saw them. They were trying to hand the girl a blue ribbon and John's trying to reach back and get it. And the guy's like, no, 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 it's for her. And I'm thinking, oh, God. Oh. <laughs> so, Wait, where's so my trophy anyway. for, for showing up? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. So, um, so and it's so much fun because he has he's friends with eighth grade girls from his school who are on the team. And, you know, they are just 
towering over him. I mean, he's such a squirt of a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, oh, you know, they're, they just are so cute. And, the, and he cheers for them and they turn and smile at him during the race. And Oh, good. Um, he's, yeah. He's it, like the mascot. He is like the mascot. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh my gosh! Yeah, well, so yeah. speaking of towering, Amelia is uh, is playing volleyball, and uh, she is doing. I think she found her sport. I really, I I gotta say, like I think volleyball. Uh huh. I oh. mean, I, she's been playing it for a while, but I think oh, I she really wants to be. Um, I think that's what she wants to try to. Uh, yeah, yeah. So well, I I don't. It's been a long time since we've talked kids sports, but I know. um, she knows. Oh, this this is quite funny um she well i think it's funny probably people will probably be horrified but oh, i'll laugh about it i'm sure <laughs> um she so so this summer so lo- like last spring she was on a team called the eagles which is kind of like a rec team here and one of the assistant coaches sent out an email to everybody saying um you know there's this team that i found called um it's called relentless volleyball um and the um and it's a really great team and i love the coaches because i mean it's all about like you know building skills but super positive and they're you know they call themselves a family and you know it just it sounded good uh-huh. and I was like okay great um and all of Amelia's teams and I mean she's in eighth grade so it's pretty much anybody like any rec athletes teams they're like six to eight weeks right and then they're done right and so there's not a lot of like you know you kind of you you get your skills back you mm-hmm. build on them a little bit and then, it, I mean, it's kind of like you're continuously on summer vacation after it's done, right? It's like, you know, you don't have enough time like a school year to build, you know. Oh, actually, oh like, and also you have like two practices and then a game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And not that I, you know, I don't need her to be a great volleyball player, but what I want her to do and what I think sports do, especially for somebody like her who is pretty shy and sensitive, is build a confidence, right? And like give her like a set of friends that she just knows, like she just gels with and, you mm-hmm. know, and you just spend a lot of time together and you work for a goal and all that. So so this relentless club is a it's a it's a club, right? And mm-hmm. so their season is gonna go from November through June. So it's like Ooh. a solid seven months of three weeks three three times a week training three times a week practice and then some tournaments and they get to travel and they get their like you know matching uniforms which of course is like her most exciting thing like she gets a backpack you know (laughs) (laughs) and her name on her like sweat pants or something i don't know but anyway so i take her this this Uh summer and a number she has an actual number Probably, like yes. Yep, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. yep. But she has a number on her middle school team, too. I mean, they have to have a number. Um, but anyway, uh, so um, what was I going to say? Oh, so I went to – so it was – it's tryouts, but it's, again, like it's, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade. It's not like it's like, oh, you got to be able to do these things, but more like are you a motivated kid? Do you listen well? Do you have some basic skills, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, we get there, and on, oh, it was when the Olympics were going on, and I walked into this gym, and – I thought I had watched the Olympic Stadium. I mean, these girls, I mean, they were so good. So good. And I was like, holy cow. And Amelia is not, I mean, she's six feet now. And I I would almost venture to say she's six one. Like, I feel like she's really, really shooting up right now. So she looks a lot. Again, she's thir- she's a young 13, like in that, or she's a young eighth grader. Like she'll turn 14 next June. Yeah. So, yeah, um, at the end of June, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um. So she's young for her age and uh, and then and then, you know, but she looks like she's in like a junior, right? A junior in high school or maybe oh, older. she looks like she's in college. Yeah. 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 So um, so I'm like, Amelia, these kids are older. These kids are older. And she literally like puts herself in the corner and <sighs> will not move. Oh, and uh, we were there like five minutes early. Right. And I'm like. Mm-hmm. 
okay, Amelia, take some deep breaths. It's going to be okay. You know, and everyone else is warming up with partners and has a okay. friend and all that. And it's like a 25 minute drive away. I'm like, we're not going home. We're doing this. <laughs> we are here for an hour. And literally she's like, no mom, no mom, no mom, no mom. And I, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, I was like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave and you're going to have to go out there, you know? And finally I kind of like pushed her out there because, and and so it was because the, the, it was a guy coach and he was gathering everybody and she wouldn't go to like the oh, gathering of everybody. Shoot. So I like literally gave her a push. She's almost in tears. I'm like, oh my God, Dimity, you are the worst mom ever. Oh but I just wanted her to try. I just oh, knew she God. had to try, right? Damn, so, I'm having hedgehog flashbacks. Yes, yes, exactly, right? But she made it through that hedgehog dance, right? That's kind of her pattern. Yeah. Um, that's a story in Run Like a Mother. And so uh, so she gets, so the guy turns and looks at her and she's by, like a head over everybody else, like of course. a head taller. Sure. He looks and he goes, are you a junior? No. <laughs> and he goes, and she just shakes her head because I know if she opens up her mouth, she's going to start crying. Sure. Yeah. T- shakes her head. No. Sophomore? No. Freshman? No. Eighth grade? She just like nods yes. <laughs> He's like, okay, okay, then you're going to be on that court. And then like they started with serving, you know, they're just serving back and forth. They're not playing really, just warming up. And as soon, like five minutes into it, she was fine, you know, and she was with uh, yeah. her kids her own age. It was just hard to see them amidst all the. Yeah, the noise yeah. coming into the gym, right? But um, oh. and she made the team, and and like I said, she's gonna play, and she's super excited. But um, oh. I don't know. It was just it was very funny. So yes, yeah, so I am in for what I've here is a long. I don't know these sports that I pick, like because the tournaments are so it's tournaments. Oh god, basically. Jim, oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> it's like swimming meet and volleyball tournaments, and I hear it's just like <laughs> you know long Sundays on the bleachers, long Sundays on the bleachers. But I have That's to say, exactly, I have. <laughs> I was going to say, I have mother runner friends here in town who are like, no, I can't run with you on Sunday because we have to be in Salem, which is an hour drive away by 6 a.m. for a volleyball, you know, tournament. I'm like, oh, you poor bastard. I know. I will say, though, it it is fun to watch. Like now that they're kind of getting good, it's Uh really fun. I mean, because it's, you know, like three hits aside, you know, they're spiking They're You know, I mean, they're doing, you know, it's not just I mean, when she was learning to play, I mean, it was like watching grass grow. Right. It was like. Oh my God, please let the serve go in and then it would drop and it would be good if you were on that team. But, you know, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just like painful. And now, I mean, of course they still make a ton of mistakes, but it's really, it's much more fun to watch, especially when they get a good rally going. Oh, so. so can you post some video on Insta- on our Instagram account? Um, this, this I will season. once we get going. I mean, I yeah, tried. Oh, that's once, what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once I I tried once to take a picture. She's on her middle school team right now, and I tried moved. You know what I thought was discreetly down the you know down the row of chairs to take a picture of her, mm-hmm. her while she was serving, and uh, oh, she screwed it up. And she looked. She goes, Mom, you made me do that. <laughs> like, okay. Of course you did. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm not gonna. I won't document this at all, which is fine. I mean, but yeah. So uh-huh. um, if I can do it discreetly, I will. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that would be yeah. that would be awesome to be able to see that. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun. So yeah, so John is running. What's is Daphne running too? So no, Daphne was back to her club, um, just her regular rec soccer. You okay. Know, we took a we took a year. She did a um what they call classic soccer here in Portland for a year and just so much griping about it. Uh-huh. Like it'll be raining. Oh, are they going to practice because it's raining? Yep. Mm-hmm, they are. Oh, it's too sunny out. It's too hot out. Are they going to practice? Yep. Mm-hmm, yes. And just, <laughs> I just thought, why am I paying a lot of money for this? Yeah. And you know, a disruption. I mean, the practice time interfered more with dinner and 
I just thought we don't need this. And she's, you know, soccer's such a popular sport here in Portland that yeah, you, you could, even yeah. if you're like a top player for our high school, top players end up on literally JV two. Wow. For their wow. first year. Wow. And, you know, ba- you know, maybe, maybe we'll make, maybe we'll make varsity by their junior or senior year, unless they are like junior Olympic level. Sure. Sure. So, yeah. um, she has said she will go to, do track in the spring, but they're both going to be they. Um, the spring musical is at their school is Shrek, so oh. they are both incredibly excited to be in that, and that's the reason they did Macbeth because if you are in the fall uh, Shakespeare play, then you have a better chance of being cast in the musical. Oh, so, good. Um, all right, all right. That's musical. good. Does, does Shrek yes. have like a little like mouse like sidekick? Because that would be good for John. <laughs> oh, John really wants to be um, donkey. Oh, that's kind of a mouse-like sidekick. I mean, I realize it's bigger than that, but it's a sidekick. Like he's oh, kind of a he's... sidekick character. Oh, he totally is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, if he if he were in eighth grade, I would say he'd be a layup for Donkey. But unfortunately, oh, there's a lot. Everybody yeah. want everybody wants to yeah. be Donkey. Yeah, girls, boys, you name it. So, um, yeah. So I think so. You know, his little heart might be broken, but we shall see. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so she will be doing that, and then I'm hoping. I, listening to you talk about, you know, pushing, literally pushing Amelia out there onto the court. Um, I really want Daphne to go back to playing basketball, which she's done yeah. for a couple of years, and. Yeah. and I like basketball. I like volleyball. It's indoors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you get to sit down while you, you don't have to bring your own chair. And um, so I, though, don't know. She has said that she doesn't want to do it anymore. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going to be tall. Like, not Amelia tall, but you'll you're be tall. tall enough. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, um, I have yeah. to tell you before I forget, um, I've never, well, of course, I haven't seen Hamilton, but did you watch the PBS Hamilton? We, you know, we forgot to DVR it the first time. We are DVRing it tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we have on demand. I, I, uh, I've never DVR'd anything de- in my life. Really? Oh yeah. My gosh. Wow. Yeah. That wow. feels like a lot of work to have to remember when something is on and recorded. But um, yeah, you know we have, you can I DVR think we have it a, in advance, right? Like, or you can program it. Well, I know you can, but you got to like, program it. You know, like, I, you know I like that it's already there and I can just order it up. <laughs> or not order it, yeah. but I mean, it's, you know, I don't pay for it. But You have to think about it ahead of time. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. That's another thing I have to think about. I can't do it. Um, but anyway, it was good. It was really good. I mean, it was really interesting yeah. and um, and good history and a lot about, um, was it Lin-Manuel? Is that well, how you... Lin-Manuel Miranda, yeah. Yes, yes. And he yeah. was, he kind of hosted the whole thing. He's quite a, he's quite a... Uh, just a spark. I mean, he. What, oh, yeah. what can't that guy do? Is basically oh, I know. What I'm oh, wondering. everything. And he just brings such joie de vivre to everything. Yeah. And um, just such. So, he's just awesome. Yeah. So Jack was actually the one who's um, now more into Hamilton. You know, I mean, I still love it, and I'm still very excited to see it with Phoebe next spring. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, Jack listens to it all the time. Oh. You know, you get into the car after Jack's been driving, guaranteed it will be playing once you turn the car on. Wow. And, you know, because he, he bought, you know, once we returned the DVDs to Molly, I couldn't figure out how to burn a second one, so he bought them both. And um, so, yeah. Gotta yeah. have and Also, it. before I forget, though, Dim, changing topics, I um, yeah. had... Yeah, uh, last week Jack and I had dinner with a uh, woman from the Colgate Development Office, and she was out traveling. She's like, and... "Why does Dimity never give us any money?" <laughs> no, no, I, that's what once, she was wondering. Once I found out she was from the Development Office, I thought. 
why are you having dinner with us? <laughs> no deep pockets here. <laughs> T-Rex arms and very small pockets. Um, so anyway, but so she for some, you know, Jack has a different last name than I do. And and Colgate knows me as Sarah Bowen Shea. But for some reason, this woman whose name is Shannon, super nice. We had such a fun time. She just sort of lumped me in with Jack's last name. And so she's a um, runner and she used to do some triathlons and she lives in Burlington, Vermont. And a ton of her friends are always like sending her links to the podcast or Facebook updates or stuff from another mother runner. And so she's definitely knows about another mother runner. Uh-huh. And, but, but when she you know, emailed and said, oh, you want to have dinner? I'm going to be in Portland. She didn't realize like, quote, who I was. And so it wasn't until that Till we were like, I guess she got to the restaurant a little early and she realized she wanted to text me. So she looked up and looked down at the bottom of my emails and she saw that, oh, lo and behold, my last name's not Carney. And she's like, wait, Sarah Bowen Shea. And there's all these links to another mother runner. And so she didn't. So like moments before I walk in, she realized that I was Sarah Bowen Shea from another mother runner. That's so funny. And so it was very fresh. So she pops up. And she immediately goes, oh, my gosh, Dimity must be so tall. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yep, yep, Dimity's tall. Yep, yep. And um, and so and she just kept, I didn't realize who who you are. And Jack just is like standing back, just kind of laughing about the whole thing. (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh, that's so funny. That's good. I'm glad you had dinner with her. Yeah, I just got it. It was really fun. Yeah. So and I gave her a copy of Run Like a Mother. Oh, good, good. If they, you know, I swear to God, if they... I won't go on my rant about, but just the, the, the number of requests and it's not Colgate. I know it's every school because they all need money, but oh my gosh. Uh And it's not like I, you know, like you said, I've, I have not given hundreds of thousands of dollars to them by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. It's like Mm -hmm. really that like $50 I gave to women's crew four years ago. Uh huh. Well, see, that's their whole thing is that we talked about that some and, sh- and sh- they have a new president. Uh. And so the president is all about participation. Oh, yeah. I guess, I guess also that helps with U.S. News and World Reports rankings. I was about to say, which, it's, it's you know, the Barack Colgate. Obama model, right? Yep, it's, not, yep. it's like $20 from everybody instead of $200 from mm-hmm. 10 people. Yeah, or Bernie Sanders with his $27 donation. So, yeah. so that... Um, that Yes, yeah, so th- so I guess it helps with the rankings if they can say, you know, I don't know, 92% of alumni donate. Oh, okay. Well, maybe. And so, and you know, Colgate people are such snobs about wanting to be highly ranked in U.S. News and World Reports. Well, and that's so, the, and they're also snobs. Let's just put it as, up as, there, a, right? as a Colgate <laughs> snob myself. <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm always like, well, God, they all like work in investment banking and, you know, big, okay. and I'm like, my little, like, you know, less than hundred dollar donation is that really gonna i don't know it just feels like but i guess every every penny counts anyone knows that like sarah well, and shay found change yeah so that was but i was kind of like you realize he's a real estate agent and i'm an entrepreneur right like <laughs> there are no hedge funds hiding under <laughs> us right now yeah. and so um so anyway, and I, I didn't realize that jack is still kind of ticked about the whole the way colgate handled the fraternities uh, fraternities and yeah. the houses and all that stuff and i'm like really and i said something about being a grudge holder and he looked at me because <laughs> and i was just like mm-hmm. so and then that prompted him to say, um, well, you've heard of uh, Irish Alzheimer's, right? And uh, she's like, what? And he's like, oh, you forget everything but the grudges. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
There you go. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, anyway. Well, so wait, who's our who's our special guest? I know we've enough, our, enough catching up. You want to talk a little bit more? Shall we talk? You want to <laughs> no. hear about Mason? Do you want to hear about Grant? Grant, <laughs> Grant no, actually is running New York City next weekend. That's kind of fun. I know. That's very exciting. I know. We'll have to. Well, how about when you when I come back to, on uh, next time? <laughs> when we come back on in two days. Uh, we will have we'll you talk, talk about, about that. It. I'll make a note to self. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. But we are thrilled to have as our guest Dean Carnassus, aka Ultra Marathon Man. He's joining us to talk about his just published book as well as his vast array of adventures. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Dean. Okay, so he's a father runner, not a mother runner, but we're fascinated by Dean Carnassus and his heroic, some might say crazy, pursuits. So when we got a copy of his latest book, The Road to Sparta, reliving the ancient battle and epic run that inspired the world's greatest foot race, we knew we had to have him on the podcast. A dad of two grown children, Dean Carnassus is a runner of epic proportions. You might recall in 2016, Dean ran 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days. Yes, in a row. Dean has run a marathon on every continent, and he's won countless ultramarathons. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Ultramarathon Man. Welcome to the show, Dean. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, excited to have you. <laughs> um, so, Dean, I want you to please start at the very beginning. Kind of, Can you sketch out your evolution into the ultramarathon man? Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> the, that sounds so definitive, the ultramarathon man. Okay, a ultramarathon wow. man. There, there are a couple of you out there, right? <laughs> I, well, you know, I used to love to run when I was a kid. I mean, some of my earliest uh, childhood recollections are from running home from kindergarten, literally when I was six years old. And I ran uh, up until I was a teenager, ran competitively in, uh, in high school as a freshman and then stopped running altogether, literally stopped running for 15 years. Wow. Uh, I was in a bar then in San Francisco on my 30th birthday. Uh, you know, doing what you do on your 30th birthday. <laughs> We've all done it if you're over 30. <laughs> And at 11 o'clock at night, I, uh, I told my friends I was leaving. And they said, well, you know, hold it. Why are you leaving? It's, it's your birthday. Let's have another round of tequila. And I said, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run right now 30 miles instead to celebrate my 30th birthday. And they looked at me and they said, you're not a runner. You're drunk. <laughs> and, I, and I said, yeah, I am, but I'm, I'm still going to do it. And I literally, I walked out of the bar at 11 o'clock at night, three sheets to the wind, and just started running south. And I knew there was a town 30 miles south of San Francisco called Half Moon Bay. And I figured, you know what, to see if you can run there. And I ran straight through the night. It, you know, it took me over six and a half, seven hours to get there. It wasn't pretty. You know, there was some chafing and some blistering. But uh, that, that night, I became an ultramarathoner. That's awesome. What, what, what shoes were you wearing? I, you know, they were, people ask me this all the time. They weren't running shoes. They were, I think they were like gardening shoes, like an old pair of like Reeboks or Converse. That I, used to, I remember I used to like mow the lawn and garden with these shoes. Ah. I, I, I love that you're in a, gear. I mean, I love that you're in a bar yeah. with your gardening shoes on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, my house is kind of right around the corner. So I, as I was running, I stopped and um, actually I didn't have running uh, shorts on either. So I literally, I just, I had these uh, silk, like, jockey undershorts on, and they were kind of actually comfortable. And <laughs> so I just ran in my underwear. See, well, that's, okay. I was, that, that, I was very drunk. Yeah, that very that drunk. was one of the questions. That was, And I'm going to jump ahead to this question, because when I read that in the road to Sparta, I'm like, wait a minute, there must have been a lot of flopping going on if you were wearing silk boxer shorts for 30 miles. Like, that must have been incredibly uncomfortable. Hey, the Greeks ran naked, so <laughs> at least I had something covering my skin. That's good. That's 
good. Um, well, that was a really condensed version. Thank you. Um, I have to say, so you you had a little surfing. Uh, I don't know what would you call it. Uh, interlude in between your running, right? Like, I, is that right? Oh. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a complete background that a lot of people don't realize. I mean, I was a you know professional windsurfer. Um, you know, I've been surfing my whole life. In fact, um, you know, I've been in. I was joking with uh, the the uh, publisher of um, Outside Magazine that you know my in my prior career there was no running photos of me. It was all windsurfing stuff and outdoor stuff. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, well, so you write. Um, let's get back to running though. But early on in the road to Sparta, you write about. You write, running these long distances was liberating. Others might have found it daunting and intimidating, and it was on some level, but it was also a means by which to set the body free and unbind the spirit. I think that's lovely, and I think that's why a lot of people run, even if they're not running ultra marathons. But can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Well, I think, you know, one, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's very flattering to have you read a, you know, a quote from my book. I've never really heard someone read a quote, and that was, you do it better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, take, take me on the road with you. Yeah, I, yeah, take, take me on the tour with you. Where's, where's my publicist? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think what you said, I think every runner can relate to that, especially as the world is becoming more complex and more, I'll just say, noisy. You know, the amount of, of noise coming toward us every day is never been louder, especially with the advent of screens. And to me, uh, it, it, it's, all, it's all fun and fast and so forth, but it can be a bit overwhelming and it's a bit dehumanizing. And I think every runner knows that if you just, you know, basically strip naked, strip down to your shorts and, and go running, you're completely unencumbered. I mean, you're free. There's nothing binding you. You're free to think what you want, to, you know, to go the way you want to go. Uh, and that, that to me is, it's rejuvenating for the soul. And I think that's why a lot of us run. Is it, it's, is it hard to have, I mean, how many days do you take off? Like, do you, do you, are you still running like seven days a week right now? I try to, I mean, I try, I travel like crazy these days, so I can't all, you know, I'm on a plane too often, but yeah, in a good week and a hard training block, if I'm really, you know, preparing for something, um, I'll run seven days a week. Uh huh. Is it hard to have yeah. the travel day in there, especially because you're sitting the whole time? It's I drive the everyone on the plane, and especially the uh, flight attendants. I drive them crazy because <laughs> I'm just prancing up and down the aisles as soon as the you know unfasten your seatbelt light goes on. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know I just if I explained to you the last three days, you would you'd be scratching your head, going, "How do you live and still keep functioning, traveling?" The, the amount, I mean, I've done two two cross country trips in, in four days. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And I've still managed to, you know, keep up, I don't know, 10, 12 miles a day of running. Have you ever run on an, air, an airline, an airplane tarmac, an airport tarmac? <laughs> I've run through a couple of them. I've run through a, a lot of uh, airports trying to catch a flight. Okay. <laughs> so well, another super long endeavor that you write about, um, in addition to uh, all your travels, is that you you talk about how you ran 700, 700 miles from your home in San Francisco to San Diego, which I, uh, having lived in San Francisco, I know is a long two hour drive, two day drive. Um, so you ran to the starting line of the rock and roll San Diego marathon. So what prompted that idea? And, and on a practical level, like how do you plot your route for something like that? Well, that was, yeah. That, I mean, I, um, I'm, you know, I, you, you're, you're from California, so you know this, and a lot of the Californians will know about the, um, the missions that we have here, Network of Missions. 
that um, are set up uh, uh, basically as a string from here in Northern California, from Sonoma, all the way to San Diego. And this is how the, the, the missionaries used to travel. They'd use these, um, the missions for overnighting, if you will, homesteading, um, as they're um, moving uh, up and down the state. And it was just a romantic um, you know, thought of mine, just why don't you just run, run the old route and connect the missions. And you know, you'll see a lot of uh, ancient California, or old, I won't say ancient, but old <laughs> California. Uh, and you'll follow kind of you know, the, what they call the um, Pacific Coast Highway or um, uh, you know, the PCH. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or you know, El, they call it El Camino Real, you know, the King's Highway. Mm-hmm. And I, I basically, you know, ran to San Diego following that route. And so, you know, choosing a route uh, was easy because uh, I knew how that, you know, and most of that you can, you can run on. It's not a prohibited just to vehicles. So that was the route I followed. I did some research as well. There's, you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, of cycling events that take place between uh, San Francisco and San Diego. Mm-hmm. So I looked at some of their routing as well. You know, like the, the six-day AIDS ride and things oh, like sure. that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I felt, I looked at a lot of their routing, <laughs> and I had my my uh, my faithful mom and dad along with. They have an RV. Oh, and, okay. Oh, you left yeah. out that detail in the book because I was like, oh man, like how do you, how are you carrying your stuff? Like it just logistically seemed very daunting to me. Yeah, it was. You know, I I still remember the hydration pack and some food, and because they they're wanderers. I mean, they they might wander off in the hills for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go, but, mom um, and dad? You know, it, it, yeah. <laughs> But it, it, you know, I love, I love doing things like that. It's so, it's, it's to me, it's so, it's, it's almost about exploration more than running. It's kind of a combination. It's kind of relating and seeing the world at six miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I really like that. And I, I think you can look at running, um, you know, as a sport. And we define, you know, who, who's the best runner? Um, as, and when you look at it as a sport, and it's the fastest runner, right? Mm-hmm. The best runner is equated with the fastest person. But if you look at running more as an art form, you could say the most prolific runner, the, the runner who you know, in, derives most enjoyment from his or her craft is the best runner. And to me, that just means um, you know, using your legs as a mechanism to explore. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, so this is so. Here's a question for you. So, um, you also did the 50 states or 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days. So that was like a travel slash logistical, I would say, nightmare. But I know you had it kind of mapped out pretty well before you went. But, but where were your favorite? What was your favorite state to run in, and why? Oh, oh boy. Wow. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say. We, people often ask me, you know, what what was your favorite? Yeah. And it, it's really hard to distinguish one that was more favorable than others. I mean, they were they, all of them had so much, um, so much excitement and so much, you know, so many nuances in each of the runs. Um, I'll, I'll never forget. There's a a marathon in Nevada called Valley of Fire, mm. and it's about uh, I think about like an hour and a half drive outside of Las Vegas. And I'd never heard of Valley of Fire, and the reason they call and it's a national park, and it it is the most beautiful place. I think I've you know I've been to you know obviously Grand Canyon and um, Zion and a lot of beautiful places. Uh, this this was amazing wow. Valley of Fire, and when the sun comes up and hits the valley walls, it looks like fire. That you know the valley walls are very red, hmm. and you get this rippling effect, and that was just an incredible um, experience. And that was in Nevada. Uh, 
That's cool. You know, the the New England the New England states were great with the leaves changing colors. Um, they were all, you know, Hawaii was incredible mm-hmm. just because, you know, being uh, in Alaska one day when it's snowing on you and Hawaii the next um, was just such a change. Wow. Wow. Have you gone back and run any of those marathons that, that you ran in those 50 states? Yeah, a lot of you them. You have? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Be, you know, the way you, you're probably wondering, you know, how, how do you string up 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days? Because, you know, you can't just show up, say, in Iowa or Kansas on Tuesday mm-hmm. and there's no there's no marathon, right? Mm-hmm. So um, eight of the, the marathons were the actual, we were calling the live marathon, mm-hmm. where it was the actual marathon running that day. For instance, Chicago Marathon. I ran on the day of Chicago Marathon with you know thirty five thousand other people. Marine Corps. Um, There's a number of marathons like that. The Portland Marathon. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so eight of them were the actual marathon. Then uh, for the forty two others, we contacted the race directors for the most prominent marathons in that state and said, Look, you know, will you recreate um, your marathon the day we're in town? So wow. will you set up your official starting line? Let us follow your sanctioned certified course. And finish at your official finish line. So we had a record of actually doing a legitimate marathon. So uh, like Dave McGilvery, from, mm-hmm. who's the race director of the Boston Marathon, mm-hmm. he set up the Boston Marathon for us. Um, so, wow. you know, and, and this is in the fall. And you know, about 50 runners joined me and they said, you know, this is so amazing because Boston's always in April, as you guys know. Yeah. And now we're running, the leaves are changing colors. We're running the Boston Marathon route um, just on a, on a different date. That's so cool. I knew that you obviously had not found... Um, uh, un, unheard of marathons in Iowa on Tuesdays, but um, but I never knew that you contacted the race directors, like you said, and that they plotted it all out. God, the, the, talk about logistics once again. My gosh. Well, and you, well, the, you know, yeah, well, I didn't. I, I don't want to take credit for the logistics. I worked with a company called Hawkeye Sports and Entertainment, and they are logistics experts. So they they help coordinate the Olympic torch run across the country, oh, mm-hmm. and you know they do like concerts where they're used to moving gear around. Mm-hmm. And we also pull. I, I said I don't want to just run these marathons by myself. I want to invite others. So we were able to get permits for up to fifty runners to join me. Oh. And you could go on Active.com and just register to come run any of these weekday marathons, just as you would any other marathon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible that all of the marathons, like after three days of this, all of them were completely sold out. Oh, of course. And there was waiting lists for people. Yeah. It, it was. It was such a you know, amazing experience to run these marathon routes like Boston at a different time of year with just 50 people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they didn't close the entire, like, you know, when they do a big city marathon, they close the entire route for whatever the cutoff time is, you know, seven, eight hours. We just had a a police escort that would kind of close intersections as we move through. So that we could actually run without having to wait all the time. Oh, that's cool. And and that's how we were able to pull it off. Well, that's intriguing. I definitely, you know, a decade ago, I was wondering, I'm like, oh, how did, how did all this happen? So it's interesting to hear. So, so I vividly recall encountering you around mile five of the 2010 Big Sur Marathon. Um, unlike me, who had ridden a bus to get to the start of that point-to-point marathon, uh, you'd run the course in reverse to get to the starting line. And uh, that was, uh, so of the myriad marathons you run, how many of them do you, have you run 26.2 miles or more to get to the starting line and tell us, a bit what, <laughs> tell us a bit about what's that like and do you always do that or do you sometimes walk, you know, the three blocks from your hotel to the starting arch like the rest of us mortals do? Well, I, you know, I, if it's a, if it's a, uh, an out and back, if you will, mm-hmm. I usually start at, you know, at the finish and cause you go out and you, you know, run around a cone or whatever and come back to the finish. Mm-hmm. 
But if it's um, a point to point where you get on a bus mm-hmm. and they bus you somewhere, mm-hmm. I, I hate the idea of getting on a bus to start a run. I mean, <laughs> we're runners, right? Yeah. It's like it's like so, using the elevator to go to the fifth floor at the gym, right? You're like, mm, yeah. yeah, not so much. Same concept, exactly. Just a little longer. Like Boston, I do Boston the same way. I mean, you know, you're staying at the finish line where all the, you know, where most people stay, mm-hmm. and you get on a bus in the morning. And they bust you out there so early. I'm mm-hmm. like, if they're going to bust you out there five hours in advance, I might as well just run a little warm up. <laughs> so I do that. I do that, boss. I do that, Big Sur. Um, we, you know, with with the Rock and Roll San Diego, I ran a little bit further than just yeah, uh, a little you know, bit further. Twenty six point two. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but I love doing you know the San Francisco Marathon. I live in a place called Marin County, uh-huh. and I'm about uh, it's about the route I like to follow is about twenty miles to the start of the San Francisco Marathon. So I'll run into the San Francisco Marathon, run the marathon, and then run home. Oh, that's the other I, thing I, I want to know if you if you then run home or if you know you're like, hey, come pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, most of the times I run home, but I have to be honest. Uh, last year when I was I did it, um, but I did the San Francisco Marathon actually has an, what they call an ultra marathon. So it's and then you can actually register for this. It's two loops of the San Francisco Marathon course. Oh. You just start. You, there's a group of us. There's about a hundred of us did this year. You start at midnight. Oh my gosh. And you run the course in reverse because it's a big loop. Mm-hmm. And then you get there about the time the gun goes off for the actual marathon. And then you run it the regular way. Mm. So I ran into to the start, um, did the 52.4 and was running home. And when I got to the Golden Gate Bridge, I saw a bus that said, <laughs> <laughs> that said Marin County. I'm like, nice. you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to get on this bus. And did you have and change so. or did were you like, hey, hey, do you know who I am? Like, just give me a free ride. <laughs> <laughs> I had some, I had some doll, I, it's funny. I had like a pocket full of, of dollar bills that had goo, like I was, you know, the, from gel packs in my pocket, uh-huh. which is all nice. gooey. And I put it, I remember putting it in the place we put the money and the, the driver's looking at me like, what is that? <laughs> Who are you? What? I'm surprised the machine would take it. I'm sure then you like gunked it up for like days and no one could pay. And <laughs> Hey, thanks guy. <laughs> Um, well, so you, you, you talked a lot about your races and, and something that um, you mentioned in your book, uh, The Road to Sparta, you talk about the heightened senses and memories you experience while running and your theory about why it happens. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I, I know it definitely happens to me a lot. And I'm sure, you know, if you've have, had it happen, I've had it happen. It's a pretty common occurrence for us runners. Yeah, and the, uh, well, and the further you go, and the more beat up you become, the more emotional those moments are. And mm-hmm. I think uh, you spoke of the Road to Sparta, which is you know my latest book. Uh, I think I try to tell an honest story in there um, about um, you know the feelings and passion and emotion that that come to the surface when you really punish your body like that. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's the isolation of being by yourself for so long where you really reflect. Uh, or if it's just the combination of um, endorphins, you know, the, the kind of chemical process. Uh, but you really have some powerful emotions. And you have, I have some of my deepest insights when I'm running. And it's probably because you're not so distracted with, you know, the everyday um, job of getting through life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I, I write a lot when I run. It's People always <laughs> say, when do you have time to write? And I actually dictate into, um, well, now into an iPhone. But I used to dictate into a digital recorder. Because oh I think um, you 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 know I mean you have some of your clearest thoughts while you're running. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I do a lot of the a lot of my writing, like the road to Sparta. I wrote a lot of the chapters while running, and then when I was on flights, I would just 
when I'm forced to sit down, I would just type up my notes. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. That's a good call because I have to say there are times when I'm like, oh, I love that idea or I love that sentence or that phrase or whatever. And literally I spend the rest of my run, whether it's, you know, 15 minutes or 15 miles left. I'm like, remember that, Dimity. Remember that. Remember that. You know, and then I get home and I'm showered and I'm like, oh, dang it. What did I want to remember? So I've never really thought to use a voice recorder. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because I, I wonder how many runners do that. I, you know, if I don't have my, my phone or anything to record with, I come in the door and if, you know, my wife was there, or, you know, my, my daughter or my son, they want to talk. I just like, give me, give me five minutes. Cause I usually think of a to-do list yeah. <laughs> while I'm running, like things I want to follow up on. And I just want to make sure I remember it all. Yeah. <laughs> so you do that as well. Yeah. I wonder how many other well, runners I'm sure you do. do that. You, that means that you're a mother runner in a past life. Are you making like grocery lists and soccer carpool schedules and things like that in your brain? <laughs> that's, that's what we do most of the time. <laughs> I, well, I just, I don't make grocery lists. I just hunt for food while I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> Catch wild game with my hands. Yeah, I'm from Sparta. <laughs> um, so throughout the road to Sparta, you reflect often on the differences between modern day runners and ancient Greek all day runners called, I'm probably going to botch this. How about you say the word for me? Hemerodromos. Oh, very good. Very nice. Hemerodromos. And in Greek, um, delta mm-hmm. uh, there's, is pronounced velta. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for instance, someone's, uh, you know, here in America, we say uh, Daphne. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Greek, my daughter's they name. say Vafni. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Vafni. Oh, you got to oh, start calling her that, Sarah. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's my younger daughter's name. Um. <laughs> oh, Vafni. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so Vafni. Let's see what she says. <laughs> <laughs> so our, my older daughter's name is Phoebe, and we knew that we could either kind of, and which is, as you know, yeah. is also a Greek name. And, uh, yes. And, but I have not a drop of Greek blood in me. And so I was like, when we knew we were having um, a girl for as one of our twins i'm like okay we can either go down the greek road which seemed just more exotic and you know lively to me or we could like make phoebe be like an old-fashioned name and like give her sister like the name mave or something so we went we went daphne so we went we went greek all the way you went ancient you went beyond old-fashioned yeah wait, so wait yeah, does phoebe have a does phoebe have a special pronunciation would she be different in greek but well phoebe's shortened but i don't know what it's shortened for okay like it's the... um uh, perry is paneota Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because oh. Phoebe is the uh, female version of Phoebus, which is the Phoebus. god of the moon. And one of, um, I think one of Jupiter's moons is is named Phoebe or Phoebus. Um, I know I should know all this. Um, <laughs> but but that actually... I'll tell you what. There are so many Greek gods, it's hard to keep track of them all. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so back to the differences between modern day runners and, and ancient Greek all day runners. So what difference stands out the most to you? Because this is the type of thing that I think about too, like how lucky we are as 21st century runners, all the all the comfort items we have and hydration and, and, you know, food and things like that. So what stands out yeah. to you is the biggest difference. Well, I mean, let, let's rewind the clock 2,500 years ago and the uh, humor of the Romos, or uh, we can just call them the Romos or the Romi, okay. plural. Um, they were professional runners. And the Romi or Hemo de Romi means uh, day-long runner. That's the literal translation. Mm-hmm. So uh, Phidippides, or in Greece they call him Phidippides, mm-hmm. uh, he was a, a professional runner. And his name literally translates into spare the horse. Mm-hmm. Because the Greeks realized that in the, in the rocky mountainous terrain of Greece, a, a man, a trained runner, could outrun a horse. 
And they knew if they could disseminate information quicker than a, like an invading enemy by using these runners and spread intelligence and gather intelligence, that would be their strategic advantage. So he was a, a day-long runner, and they trained by running great distances. So uh, for him, uh, you know, we think of the marathon, you know, we're, we're kind of brainwashed to think it's this 26.2-mile run, right, from, from the battlefield of marathon to the Acropolis. And, and Phidipides or Phidipides bursts in after the Greeks defeated the Persians and says, Nike, Nike, or Nike, Nike, mm -hmm. uh, which means victory, victory, we are victorious. And then what happens? He dies, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the real story is he actually ran uh, 153 miles from Athens to a city-state, a Greek city-state called Sparta, mm -hmm. to recruit the Spartans. If you've ever seen the movie 300, you know, the Spartans, <laughs> like, you want the Spartans fighting with you because these guys are, you know, Super badass. Boss. yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So uh, that, that's kind of what his job was. And, you know, what did they train with? Well, we alluded to some of this stuff um, on the intro. I mean, they, they ate what they could get their hands on. They ate figs, mm -hmm. uh, olives, mm -hmm. uh, cured meat. Mm -hmm. They carried a cured meat. And also this stuff called uh, pastelli. Um, Homer calls it itrion. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's ground sesame seed and honey. It's almost like an energy paste, mm -hmm. but it's ground up sesame seeds and honey. And they used to carry that as well. So those are the kind of foods that um, they relied on, the, these day-long runners, uh, to, you know, to carry out their missions. And what were they running in? Well, uh, most likely they were barefoot. Mm -hmm. um, there are some, you know, they have found in excavations old sandals, but they think the runners primarily ran barefoot. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, running, if you've ever been to Greece, um, you know that some of the routes they followed are, it's, it's what I would consider scrambling. I mean, some mm -hmm. of the mountains are so steep, you're almost on all fours. Uh, but it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's soft surfaces. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's non man-made surfaces, especially 2,500 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I would say running barefoot, you know, um, back then was different than running barefoot, you know, down the road here in mm -hmm. modern day America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, so this book, I mean, is this, a, it's a little bit of a departure, right? From your straight up running books. I mean, I was surprised when I dove into it to see how much history you put into it and how much, um, of your own, like personal, like your your family background. I mean, how how did you kind of pull it together, and how did you? I mean, it was it's a pretty ambitious book. I mean, it's it's very good and it's it's very um, thorough. But that it's a big. I think it's harder than running an ultra marathon, probably, right? Oh no, it was this challenged me in a lot of ways, and I like that. I mean, yeah. you, I think that's kind of why we run, right? If you, we chase a PR, we chase a you know longer distance race. Um, it, it moved me out of my comfort zone. And it made me, uh, you know, it forced me to learn a lot of things that I didn't know. <clears throat> so for this book, I, I actually worked with a historian, Paul Cartledge, oh. who's the uh, one of the, the you know, the, the foremost authorities on ancient Greek culture. And he's from Cambridge University. And I'll tell you what, this man, <laughs> unbelievable how, how bright he is. I mean, he's like a, a walking, um, I don't want to say encyclopedia, Wikipedia. <laughs> he was he was so insightful in pulling old references um, for me to look at and old records for me to to review that I could kind of piece together what it was like to be uh, an ancient runner in in ancient Greece, and and then trying to weave that into a story narrative is the other challenge mm -hmm. that I faced. You know, it, part of this this book is about running, mm -hmm. part of it's about history, but also part of it's about finding your identity. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, sure. I knew I was Greek. 
Um, I, you know, I'd been raised Greek. Uh, you know, I went to Greek school, went to Greek church, mm. but then I kind of rebelled against being Greek as I became a teenager because I thought the Greeks were weird. You know, if you, have you ever seen my big fat Greek wedding? Yes, sure. And, yeah, and the Greeks too. are weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. Gosh, Tim. So I'm like, I don't want to, I'm not Greek. Like these people are weird. Uh, but as I got older, I started to kind of embrace my Greekness and I, and I wanted to learn more about my history as well as learn more about uh, the reality of, of marathon and debunk any, you know, I heard there was like this swirling uh, rumors that some of the, you know, some of the story wasn't true and it could have been made up. And I wanted to really learn the truth. And so that's what I set out to do. And the race itself, like, was that what you expected more or less, or was it harder, easier, or was that really not the point? Well, the Spar- I mean, the Spartathlon, um, it, it, you know, was, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I try to tell an honest story. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's the greatest foot race on earth. And, you know, I've run foot races on all seven continents uh, twice now. You know, every imaginable distance I've run in every imaginable setting. And there's, there's, I mean, it's the original marathon. So it doesn't, you know, you're never going to get more authentic than that. Sure. Um, you know, in its modern incarnation, it's hideous, uh, especially <laughs> the first, you know, the first 30 miles, you're running through industrialized um, Athens, you know, past chemical plants. I mean, you're, mm. you're breathing in air that's horrible at points. You know, you're running on a road that's not necessarily scenic the whole way. Um, you know, mm-hmm. after, after about 30 or 40 miles, it, it changes in that regard. But you're dealing with all of the, the you know, the, the modern day um, vileness of running down a road. And, you know, in Greece, uh, you know, it's not quite as developed here. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of these, there's a lot of diesel trucks that just don't have catalytic mm-hmm. converters. There's no, <laughs> there's no Teslas, you know, going down the road. That, <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, you're just breathing this stuff in, and it, it's not the most glorious um, race uh, in that regard. But then again, there are, play, you know, when you get into Sparta, uh, the, the most unique thing about this race is there's, there's no finish line. Mm-hmm. You wear a timing chip because you still, um, there's still timing mats along the way. Mm-hmm. But when you get into Sparta, where the finish is, in the main square of town, there's this towering bra- bronze statue of King Leonidas. I don't know if you've seen 300, he's the guy, you know, this is Sparta. Uh, it's just this massive brown, bronze statue. And when you run up and touch his feet, that's when your race finishes. Oh, that's hilarious. So it's, it's just this glorious race. And, it, and everything about it is, is just spine tingling. Mm, mm, and that is you got to run 153 miles in <laughs> sub 36 hours. Other than that, it's pretty glorious. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, so I have to say, Dean, that like when I read about all your accomplishments over the years and reading this book, what, what as a mother runner, I'm kind of left with this feeling of like, wow, he must have a really forgiving quote unquote lenient wife and children. Like, um, you know, t- cause I just think about like, you know, for a lot of the time you were working a super, you know, demanding job. You were going on these, you know, double digit hour runs, you know, 10, 12 hours. You're jetting all over the place. Like how did you balance family with all of that? <laughs> Did I say balanced family? <laughs> I know. I think that was Sarah's yeah. choice of word. Yeah. But we, we come at it. We I, always I, come in from the side yeah. of the fan, like the mom, like, okay, but what's she doing while the dad, what's he doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, my wife is a saint and an angel. I mean, I married the, the, the greatest, I married my high school sweetheart, by the way. So oh, she was nice. my first love and, yeah, and, and, and she was a professional. I mean, she was a dentist, um, is a dentist. So she had a career as well. So not only did I have you know my gig, 
I wanted to be respectful um, of, of her and her schedule. I mean, she owned a, a private practice, which is, you know, when you own a small business, there's a saying, you know, you don't own a small business, it owns you. So she had employees that were dependent on her. You know, she was running a busy dental practice and there was no balance. I think balance is um, something that, uh, I think it's a misstatement to say, try to find balance because we had a very unbalanced but very um, uh, loving relationship. So, you know, we had this underlying thread of, of deep love and respect, mutual respect for each other. And it, our life was, you know, it still is kind of frenetic, it's chaotic, it's disjointed, but it's really fun. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that it's, it's not the quantity of time, it's not the, the you know, the, the quality, I mean, the quantity of time you spend with your, your loved ones, it's the quality. Mm -hmm. So when we're together, we're not distracted. When we put down the screens, we really spend some, some fun, quality time together, and, and then... And then that's it. And <laughs> then we're off doing our thing. Off on a cross-country yeah. flight. Well, and that, you talk about that a little bit too, about how um, when you left your investment banking or what, what were you in? It was marketing. marketing. Yeah, it was a marketing executive. Yeah. Okay. So when you left from your marketing, you know, because people drive themselves crazy running around and chasing objects and chasing, you know, things and prestige. Um, but when you, you know, when people think, you know, you're crazy, you run hundreds of miles at a time. But you love it so much that it doesn't feel crazy, right? It's it's like your purpose, right? And so if like marketing would have been your purpose, it wouldn't have felt crazy working those hours, right? Yeah, I mean, it, when you're you know when you're driven by um, passion for what you do and and a deep love for it, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, yeah. I think anyone anyone who has aligned kind of their interest and their life passion uh, with their vocation is really happy, and they might work, you know. 70 80 hour weeks but it's it's more than it doesn't feel like work yeah which is the big difference i think well sometimes it feels like work <laughs> but most of the time it doesn't right yeah sometimes there's a big ruling but yeah, yeah 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 um okay well so unfortunately um even though you are you know the ultra marathon man um the clock is still ticking up for all of us and um you seem like you never get injured. Like, what do you do for recovery and prehab? And have things changed? Like, is jumping on the bus now, is that going to be your thing in the next couple decades <laughs> instead of running home? You know, I mean, how are you taking care of yourself as you get a little bit older? You know, that, it's so funny because I, I just, I still think I'm invincible, which is so crazy because I'm over 50 years old, but I still feel like a, a teenager. Like, I can just go do anything and I don't have to worry about my body. So I, I guess I take my body for granted in a lot of ways, but but that said, uh, I also I, I train really hard uh, throughout the day. I like even now while I'm interviewing, I'm standing on my toes, I'm bouncing around. I never sit down. Um, before we got on, I did I have this uh, this um, hit training I do. It's you know high intensity interval training. It's about a 15 minute routine of uh, pull ups, push ups, sit ups, dips, and burpees. So throughout the day, I'm cycling through um, body weight, body resistance exercise. Uh, so I do a lot of cross training to condition my entire body to be the best animal it can be. Um, I don't just run. I think just running is a recipe for disaster. So I do a whole lot of cross training. Um, I never stretch. <laughs> what about foam rolling? I, I don't feel the need to stretch. I've never, I've never. Do you foam roll? I don't do any oh, foam rolling. Oh gosh, you're I killing me! No, you're killing me! Holy cow! I don't have massages. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Wow. No massages. I don't take. I used to take um, ibuprofen. I mean, you know, 
maybe 10 years ago, I stopped. Uh-huh. So no mm-hmm. anti-inflammatories. I recover so much faster if I don't take anything. Jeez. Okay. All right. So there's no there's yeah. no special Dean juice that we can, you know, start drinking <laughs> the equivalent of, huh? Well, I mean, if, if you're willing to cross train um, like I do, and I've also changed my diet. I mean, I've got to say, you know, I, I used to eat a ton of junk food, and I've changed to a much cleaner diet, and I think that's helped as well. So I think that if you're willing to eat the foods I eat. Um, you know, do six or seven, you know, sets of, of this HIIT training throughout the day and put in base miles and, and, and speed work, then that's the recipe. All right. So, so then, <laughs> then, then we'll look like you on the back cover because holy cow. All right. So we got to know, like, you must have like, did you do like, did you do your HIIT routine right before that picture? Cause you look like muscle bound. <laughs> you know, and it, it is a funny story that I don't know why, but, uh, in that in that photo, I literally had run the Chicago Marathon. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have time to shower. I threw all my, ba- my clothes in a, in a bag, uh, dashed to the airport, flew from Chicago, uh, missed my connection in Amsterdam, got stuck in Amsterdam for six hours, finally got to a flight to, uh, to Greece, drove three hours to that spot where that photo was taken. So I hadn't slept in probably close to two days, literally. After running the Chicago Marathon, after um, you know transatlantic flight, and the photographer's like, just hey, just go stand up over there with those olive trees. And I was so pissed off that I was having to stand, like <laughs> take photos at the time. I'm like, fuck, I, I, just, I feel like I'm going to die. You want to take photos? And that was a photo that came out. So wow, I hadn't, so- done, I hadn't done much before that. So that's you on a bad day. <laughs> that's so funny, yeah, because when uh, when I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when, I, when I told Dimity, I'm like, hey, hey, Dim, we're going to have Dean on the show. And she's like, yeah, we're going to ask him how many push-ups he did before they took that picture on the back cover. I mean, seriously, well, you have well, a picture of your calves in your book as well. I mean, obviously, you've got some genetics on your side. But you, I mean, to look the way that you do, uh, you know, and I know, and you also have testosterone on your side. Let's be let's be clear here. You know, like, we're, we're coming at an advantage as, as our female selves. But seriously, that's very I, impressive. I, you know, I mean, I... Yeah, I, I, one of the cha- well, one of the chapters I talk about my calves, mm-hmm, but I yeah. also talk about going to this village in Greece, where people are not. I mean, they're villagers. They're not really runners. I mean, they're not even to that to that point. And every this is where my, my father's family comes from. Every person in that village, which I'm related to, ninety percent of them. <laughs> you look at their calves and their legs, and it's just phenomenal. I mean, they all look like my legs. And they're not runners. So I think there's more than just testosterone and running. You know, mine might be a little more developed, but I think there's some, you know, there's some genetics in there as well. Yeah, that was so funny. You saying in the book that uh, people have to get their pants altered because they don't go (laughs) over their calves. It's like, (laughs) there must be special tailors in Greece that are like, oh, yes, I know exactly what you mean. Here, let me work on it. Um, all right. So, so shifting topics a little, uh, November is national running safety month. I'm sure everyone knows that. Um, and in, in all your books, it seems like the majority of your training runs are done at night, truly night, like not just right after work, but in the middle of the night. So what's the closest call you've had on one of your epic runs in the dark? Uh, okay. So I, you know, I like running through the night, as you said, and I like running on backcountry roads, Mm -hmm. uh, because there's less traffic out there. Mm-hmm. And so there's here where I live in Marin County, um, you guys probably know Marin County. Yeah, I used there's to. There's some, you know, out yeah. by West Marin, Nicasio mm-hmm. and so forth. There's some, um, it's nice out there because there's no one around. But I've learned that about 
2.15 in the morning, you got to keep your eyes open mm. because the bars let out at 2. Yep. Yep. And people started using the backcountry routes because they've been doing something they shouldn't be doing. They're driving a car. Mm-hmm. So one night I'm out there running and it's about 2.15 and this car comes whizzing around the corner heading right for me. Mm. Now, you know, it's not that unusual. I mean, who's expecting to, you know, come around this desolate road and have a guy jogging out there? Mm-hmm. But I'm responsible. I, you know, I have a, a safety vest on. I've got a flashing blinker on my chest. I've got a headlamp and I've got a handheld flashlight. Mm-hmm. Well, this car keeps coming straight for me. So oh I gosh. take my handheld flashlight and I kind of shine it in their windshield, mm-hmm. which is just to alert them there's a runner out there. They still don't alter their course. They're coming oh right for me. And things start happening really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was doing like a head fake with this two-ton mass of steel oh that's gosh. whizzing right toward me and whoosh. This car goes by so close that I could feel the heat of the radiator on my thighs. Oh, I mean, wow. they were just, yeah. And I mean, I stood there just thankful to be alive. But then I got a little pissed off. I thought, you know what? They saw, I mean, they saw me. They had to have seen me. They were, you know, they're toying with a runner and that's just not right. So I, I gave them a fist, uh-huh. you know, in the, in the darkness. It was closed fist. I didn't uh-huh. extend any digits and they hit the brakes. Oh, no. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. I thought, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, and then they put, and then they threw the car in reverse. Oh boy! And I'm like, oh no, I've met my destiny out here in West Marin. I mean, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. Well, this car comes screeching to a halt right next to me, and this manic woman, she jumps out of the, the driver's side door. She runs around the front of the car. She whips open the passenger side door, and she starts rifling through this bag that's on the seat. And I mean, I'm standing there like oh, no. paralyzed in fear, thinking, oh, you know, is, is it she going to grab a knife? Is she going to grab a gun? I mean, how am I going to meet my destiny? <laughs> she pulls out a copy of my book. I knew you were going I to think. say that. I knew that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and she's, she looks at the cover and, you know, there's a picture of me on the cover. And, and she looks at me and she's like, oh, my God, you're him. You're that, you're that crazy runner guy. Oh, my boyfriend just loves you. I, it's so ironic. I just bought him a copy of your book. You got to sign it for oh him. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh. And you nearly killed me, woman. Like, I, I, Yeah, and she puts a pen in my hand. I'm kind of trembling. And she's like, oh, his name is Bob. Write something inspirational. Oh, God. Uh, I felt like writing Bob. Break, break up with your psycho girlfriend. Yeah, your girlfriend's a psycho. Get out of this relationship. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, so you're, so you're, are you home right now? Are you in California right now? I am home for... Uh, one day and then you're going so you're going to do a so i just yeah so i i started in california i did a book signing um in marin Mm -hmm. on tuesday night flew to new york um did a gig in new york on wednesday night flew back to san francisco and did a gig in um down in uh, silicon valley last night uh tomorrow i go to las vegas for a, a film thing and then next tuesday uh, I go to New York for the marathon. Nice. So New York, yeah, New York City Marathon is the weekend after this coming yeah. weekend. Are you, are you running it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think this this is my I think ninth ninth um, New York City. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm the, like, you know, my sponsors are always like, oh, I'll bring you out for the expo and then you can fly home. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why people ask me, are all that you're going to run the marathon? I mean, even you said, are you running? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like I can't go. I'm such a bad spectator. Like I can't just like go to Boston Marathon 
and just work the expo and not run. I, it's, it's, yeah. You're so fine. We've, we've perfected going to the expos and leaving <laughs> because then you get to miss the traffic. You know, you, we used to go to all these rock and roll races to work the expos. And then we're like, yeah, we're flying home on Saturday. Cause we don't, we, we gotta get home to our family, see the kids. And also like, Oh, there'll be so many people at the airport on Sunday. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I can't tell you if people see me walking to the expo, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh, you're actually going to run? I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what I do. I, I'm a runner. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. That's the only difference between him and us, Sarah, is that, you know. <laughs> yep. yep. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been super fun to talk to you. And um, your book, again, is The Road to Sparta. It was really fun to read. And we wish you the best in New York. And what, what's your next adventure? Do you have yeah. one cooked up or not yet? What's my, well, actually, funny you should ask. <laughs> um, so a year, a year, about a year from now, um, in November of 2017, I am hoping to take off on a global expedition to run a marathon in every country of the world in one year. Wow. wow. And that so is, yeah. that's 212 yeah, 203, 203, 203. Con- yeah, the UN recognizes 203 countries. So I've been working with the UN and the U.S. State Department to try to get all the necessary passports and permits and everything and get this in place. And it's actually coming together. I've been working on this for five years and mm-hmm. I think that uh, next year is actually going to happen. The end of next year. So, you know, I'm going to finish in 2018 with the New York City Marathon. So you'll give yourself close to a year to, to accomplish that? A year, yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so not day yeah. after day after day because that would be... No, I no, but with the tra- we couldn't actually do it in 203 days just because some of the, the continental, you know, transcontinental um, travel. Sure, sure. Oh, my and gosh. And you know, of the 203 countries, how many countries do you think actually have organized marathons? Take a guess. Uh, um, I, I'm going to go on low. I'm going to say 70. Well, I was going to say 117. Yeah, you guys, well, you get pretty good. It's 100, 109 countries. Oh. And the rest, it's just going to be a GPS route of 26.2 miles. Wow, so nearly o- only close to half of them have. Yeah. Uh, wow. wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was kind of lumping like all of, I would assume there's not many in Africa. And um, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, there's going to be now. So come <laughs> join me. We'll, we'll make it. We'll make right. it. Yeah. Wow. We, can name, we can name it after ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Right. We'll have naming rights. Yeah. <laughs> Dean, Dean runs in Congo. Wow, wow. Are you gonna even have someone documenting your trip? I mean, that's that that to me feels right for either a documentary film or uh, another book, which I'm sure you haven't thought of already. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been talking to some of the you know the, the likely suspects, the you know the Nat Geos of the world, Discovery Channel. So I hope that we work with someone because I, I think it you know obviously this transcends running. Yes. I mean, it is about yes. running. Mm-hmm. But imagine just see. I just think it'd be great to give people a glimpse into every country of the yeah, world. Yeah. No, I think that that's that is very cool. I mean, I listened to a, um, a book, an audible book, a couple this summer. Um, a guy who walked the um, the Nile, and just listening to him talk about the difference of the countries and the landscapes and stuff, and to be able to see all that would be very cool. Very cool. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Well, good luck with that, and and um, have fun in New York. Yeah. Well, thanks, you guys. And next time I see you, you got to run that marathon with me. All right, all right. <laughs> no, no going home on Saturday after the expo. <laughs> Note to self, hide from Dean when we're at the same expo. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Dean. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me on.
He's such a slacker. I mean, 200 and not, what do we say? 200, 203. Yeah, and 365 days. I mean, come on. There's only, there's like, you know, the international date line. We kind of crossed that maybe once or twice. We'll give him 215, but 365, man. Dean, you oh are getting God. older. No, I'm just kidding. Holy cow, I am very, I have to say, I am very inspired right now. Like, it's everything I can do to not rip out my earbuds and go do a set of burpees right now. Like, I'm just like, that's, that's what it's going to take. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's just... um that's true dedication yeah and yeah i'd say it's a good sliver of insanity but um he obviously loves loves what he does well, he loves what he does and honestly it is i mean it's funny i mean he didn't say this but the part of the book the reason why he has this picture of these calves and honest to god i mean it's like he has loaves of french bread like you know i think it must be painful his legs yeah it does look a little painful yeah the reason why he talked about it was that he was in australia studying abroad um, mm-hmm. And like somebody, this is his high school during his high school years after he stopped running after his freshman year, and a, 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 the local paper did a pic, mm-hmm. uh, little story about the American here studying, and somebody recognized his calves, and it was happened to be his grandfather's sister who was, um, they were separated at birth. His his uh, his grandfather went to the United States, and she stayed mm-hmm. in Greece. I mean, mm-hmm. and n- they never we're in touch after that like after oh, I know. I'm, I'm gonna get oh, I know that scene, like that, age five or something right oh I know so, that scene that scene then when he talks about his, his grandfather not being alive and that she starts breaking down and she yeah. had her her sisters there and some of her yeah. grandkids because some of the people at the table were his cousins yeah, and, yeah I mean yeah, to be recognized by your calves right like that's <laughs> I mean so that, that right there alone but yeah I mean so he has obviously genetics on his side but I I mean it's pretty yeah. cool, you know, and I love that he has still such a healthy, fun attitude about it all. Like, just mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, like, let's it, keep going. You know? It is also so funny that he's like, why would I go home after the expo? And you, you and I are like, why would we stay for the race? <laughs> well, and, and not just, it's not necessarily that it's not necessarily the, the crowds at the airport. It's also that I am wiped. I mean, that is my, I often say that, like, this is my marathon. If we are there for two full days standing, like. Standing? Exactly. On concrete? Yeah. And he's, uh, I mean, you know, he's Dean Karnazes. So he gets probably, you know, a three hour window of signing his books, you Mm -hmm. know, sitting down, taking some pictures. And then Mm -hmm. he gets to go eat his olives or something, you know. Oh, and then have everybody recognize him in the race. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, no, I mean, what, if, I, including... if I had his genetics, I would run the race too. But I can't mm-hmm. just whip off a marathon like he can, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. the thing. So we're a little bit different <laughs> in oh, more gosh. ways than one. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so well, speaking of races, I suspect that you probably have some women running races over in that train like a mother oh, club. Oh, I do. I do. Well, so, um, like I said, we, we said at the beginning, we recorded on Wednesday, and that was our heart rate podcast. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, Kirsten Sabin, who was our mm-hmm. fourth, we had a little bit of an audio issue. So, I wanted to read her post race report just oh, awesome. so she is um, represented. So, it's a little long, but it's not too bad. Okay. October 2nd wine glass half marathon race report. I followed the plan to the best of my ability and given the other activities that a summer in Montana offers, read hiking, biking, yoga instruction, etc. I had a few speed bumps in the training with a tweaked knee for a week and another week that I was sick. I did most of my training on trails and had significant elevation gains for most of them. Thankful that Dimity chimed in to one of my posts and suggested that I put some time in on the pavement prior to this race. Going in, I felt very prepared for the event. When asked what my time goal was, I had absolutely no idea what it should or could be. 
I decided to trust the heart rate guideline and let the pace just translate. I settled in behind a 215 pacer group, but not attaching to it at all. As I committed to a slow, patient start, I saw the group pull away. Trust the plan, I told myself. I ran the first five miles with people passing me with my heart rate at 155, and then I took it up to 160 to test it out, and I felt fine. And I kept going until my heart rate was at 168. I was a passing machine. I passed a 215 pacer and felt strong. I held steady and realized that this training has really taught me to run by feel. I held 168 until about mile 11, and then I tried to push it farther. I tapped out at about 171. But considering I had not tested these thresholds previously, I was so happy that my body cooperated. I ended up with a time of 212, which happened to be 17 minutes faster than my last half marathon time. So I had to put that in there because uh, she talked about, you know, cross training, which was great. But I love that. I mean, a 17 minute PR and a half marathon is hard, especially when you inch close to that two hour mark right oh i mean it means that she ran each mile more than a minute faster let me do the math for you (laughs) (laughs) 17 13 well those are prime numbers don't make me really do the math we'll just say it's more than a minute (laughs) right right Right. well that's that's fantastic that is and also what a great feeling to you know to be able to then just be a passing machine like she said yeah so what a thrill that's awesome that's awesome i'm glad i'm so glad also that you thought to read her race report so thanks for doing that come come full circle back to that um podcast yes yes well all right well this month we've kicked off a weekly contest on instagram that we're calling thankful mother runners each week there's a theme for photos to post on your own instagram account using the hashtag hashtag amr thankful to be eligible for the contest, you must follow our Instagram account, which is at the Mother Runner. Then look for weekly details on our website posts on anothermotherrunner.com, as well as reminders on Instagram. Again, there'll be weekly winners, so follow us and play along with hashtag AMRThankful. So wherever your running takes you, many happy miles. 